Podcasting lessons from a binge listener. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 327. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is an award-winning, in-depth podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. Podcasting is a time-shifted media. That means that although you may publish an episode today, people may listen to it tomorrow, later this week, next week, weeks from now, months from now, maybe even years from now. And while many subscribers, and I would say maybe even most subscribers, will consume podcast episodes as they're released, or shortly after they're released, some fans will binge on all your content. And when they do that, it can reveal some areas to improve in your podcast. We could call these areas of weakness, and an area of weakness can become an area of strength when you work on it. And For this episode, I'm going to do something that is a little uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to get that out of the way up front because this is a long review that I'm about to share with you. And the review is all about me. It's all about the audacity to podcast and it's all about my business. So this does feel a bit more introspective than I like it to be. But the reason I'm still doing this as an episode is because this review I'm about to share with you has such great insight a lot of great perspective in it. And it points out areas of weakness in my own podcast. It points out some things that are some misunderstandings. So it tells me some things that I need to improve in marketing or explanations. And most importantly, and why I'm sharing this with you, is because this brings great lessons and insights that you can apply to your own podcast. So I do use mypodcastreviews.com and I have my own account on my own service. So I automatically see and all of the newest reviews from all 155 Apple Podcast catalogs. And the reviews usually are positive and encouraging, and you hear me read excerpts from those reviews quite often. And even though they're reviews on my podcasts, many times those reviews do have some little insight I can share. And I love reading those reviews, getting to know you better, getting to know the podcast you host, and letting you get to meet other members of this community and discover some really interesting podcasts. Then when I saw this review, which is a page long. If you were to print it out, actually, it might even be longer than a page. At first, I thought, oh boy, someone hates me. But it's a four-star review. And four-star reviews are the second most popular reviews. The top most popular reviews are five-star reviews, with over 90% of all of the reviews inside of my podcast reviews are five-star reviews. And then four-star is usually somewhere around three or 4%, 5%, something like that. So when I saw that was a four star, I realized, okay, this person generally still likes me. They're probably still a fan of the show. They have maybe a couple gripes. But then when I read the review, wow, the depth, the great constructive criticism that was in this, I realized, and I even realized this while I was recording my previous episode of the Audacity to Podcast, when I wanted to give Damien, who wrote this review, when I wanted to give him a shout out and read a small excerpt from this really big review, the time I was spending sharing some of the insights from this review, we're filling up the time of that episode. And I realized this could be an episode all on its own, discussing this review and pulling insights and lessons that you can learn from this as well. 
So that's what I'm going to do with this episode. I will first read the full review from Damien so you can hear everything, and then I'll split it up and share some of the insights. And if you want to follow along, tap inside your app to see the show notes for episode 327, or go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash binge lessons. Damien wrote this review on September 5th, 2017. He's from the United States and host of the Adventures in Aurelia podcast. And that's over at adventuresinarelia.com. That's E-R-Y-L-I-A. And I'll tell you more about his podcast in a moment. And I did do some very minor edits to this review, mainly fixing a couple typos here and there and a couple minor things just for the sake of clarity. But the actual message and wording is all here. And there are some great podcasting lessons I think you can learn from this as well. So go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash binge lessons, and you can also read the full review that's there in the show notes. So Damien's review starts off, great content, but I miss the more amateur vibe. I'll preface this by saying my listening habits and experiences are far from the norm. I began listening to the Audacity to Podcast in early July. It is now early September, and I am caught up. That's right, in about two months, I've listened to over 300 episodes of the Audacity to Podcast. I'll start with the good. Daniel is very good at what he does, presenting. You don't listen to someone talk in your ear for 200 hours if they aren't a good presenter. He's extremely knowledgeable at his topics. I've learned so much information that I can and am using to improve my podcast since listening to his show. The Audacity to Podcast is what gave me the drive to stop pointing my podcast domain at free services and get my own web host and my own WordPress site up and running. It is still a work in progress. I learned about Chris's dynamic compressor and feel that that has greatly increased my sound quality. I've been learning all sorts of tips and tricks for my search engine optimization and how to market myself and my podcast. I have binged through everything and the content is so good I will continue being a loyal listener. However, the show isn't without what I would consider some faults. In the beginning, the ads for Citrix drove me crazy. Keep in mind, I was hearing a new ham-fisted Citrix ad every hour for days on end while listening through. Well, if you listened early on or at a slower pace, it's only once a week. It really bummed me out when Daniel made the switch from Audacity to Audition. I get that this was a good move for him, but to me, this was the beginning of the show losing its amateur feel. I use Audacity largely because I can't afford to move to something like Audition. And Daniel's use of Audacity, as well as his routine of focusing on how to use it every five episodes, really connected me to the show and told me that I could have a successful and profitable podcast with this free software. That being said, if I could afford the switch, I'd look into it too. My biggest criticism of the Audacity to Podcast is his cross and self-promotion. I don't mind his promotions for my podcast reviews so much because of a few pieces of criteria, but I can't stand the ads for Podcaster Society. My podcast reviews gets a large pass from me because Daniel does offer a free version that you can use to get a feel for the tool and see what value it brings to you. I am signed up for it, though I haven't gotten any reviews from foreign stores to really benefit from it so far. I also enjoy his usual way of promoting it by reading some of the reviews and promoting the shows of those that leave him a review. Sometimes when he tries to work it into other parts of his show, it carries on a little too long for something you already know about and was only brought up as a promotional tool. Podcaster Society has really grounded my gears for a few reasons. This has especially been an issue while binge listening. I wish he could work things out, have the, quote, free for an extremely short amount of time, unquote, 
webinars be free indefinitely as a trial. As an amateur and hobbyist, I simply cannot afford the $50 a month it takes to join his elite club. I understand that there is a lot of work that has gone into the society, but there isn't a good way to check it out and see what value would be brought by joining at such a high price. There is also the issue of it being closed to new members so often. Even if you have the money to join, you often can't because he closes it to new members regularly. It's exceptionally annoying to be advertised to for a service that you couldn't even join if you wanted to. I digress, though. This is another thing I know I would sign up for without any issue if it wasn't so out of my budget. It's unfortunate to hear about a service I am sure I would get great value out of, but no, I cannot experience. If I have such a problem with a big part of his content, why am I still giving it four stars? The answer to that is simple. Daniel runs a business. He needs to make money off of his products and services to provide for his family. He also offers a ton of knowledge outside of his premium tools for absolutely free. If listening to him talk about a product he worked hard on that I can't afford for a few minutes is the price I have to pay for him to keep doing what he is doing, so be it. He deserves a high review, and it'd be 4.5 out of 5 stars if I could. And for you, Daniel, as I know you are reading this, thank you for what you do for the podcasting community. Please don't take what I said too harshly. My podcast is Adventures in Aurelia over at adventuresinarelia.com, and Aurelia is spelled E-R-Y-L-I-A. We are currently on a hiatus because we switched from a Blue Yeti for five people to a Zoom H6 and five dynamic mics. We will be relaunching on September 30th, also known as International Podcast Day. Thank you, Damien, for that wonderful, thorough review. And he did relaunch the podcast and great job on his relaunch with higher audio quality and things that he's been able to apply in his podcast. And you can check out his podcast, Adventures in Aurelia, over at adventuresinarelia.com. And I have the link in the show notes for this episode too. And if you're interested in his podcast and what Aurelia is, here's the description. Adventures in Aurelia is a casual, actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast that takes place in the homebrew setting of Aurelia. Damien is the dungeon master, and joining him are some of his friends new to the game, Chris, Krista, Caitlin, and Chantel. Join us as we go back and forth between two campaigns. In the Mia Vet story, four prisoners are all broken out of their cells and find themselves wrapped up in dealings with a thieves' guild. In the grand city of Mia Vet, in the Aurelian epic, we follow four members of Civil's Guild of Adventurers as they fend off an invading force and end up uncovering something ancient. You can find our catalog over at adventuresinarelia.com as well as extra content not in podcast form. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Damien, thank you very much for this kind review. I've got a link to his podcast, Adventures in Aurelia, in the show notes for this episode, which you can get to with a tap inside your app or go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash binge lessons. Now, after that really thorough review, I will be repeating portions of the review as I share these notes with you. I have 12 insights from this review, insights from a binge listener, a fan of the show who's not criticizing, not hating on things, but offering constructive critiques and criticisms that can help the podcast or help my marketing and how I do things improve. And you can learn from this as well. So number one, people will binge when they like your show. In his review, he mentioned that he listened to over 300 episodes across two months. That's 
seven years of content that he listened to in two months, seven years of growth, seven years of mistake that he listened to in months. He found my show and he liked it so much that he went back and listened to all of that. Feeding that level of passion is why I recommend letting your RSS feed contain as many episodes as possible. Even though Apple Podcasts still currently only displays your latest 300 episodes at a max inside of the Apple Podcast catalog, once someone is subscribed to your podcast, they can download the entire back catalog, even if you have more than 300 episodes in your RSS feed. There are other things to be concerned with if you have a massive RSS feed like that, and I've done some previous episodes about those, and I have a link to those in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash binge lessons. This is also why your first episode will usually be one of, if not the most popular episode of all of your podcasts. Some people will use that episode as their entry point for your podcast, and they'll think, I want to listen from episode one all the way to episode whatever number you're on right now. Some people may listen to your latest episode and decide this is really good. I want to jump all the way back to the beginning and start from there. And some people may do a kind of burning the candle at both ends approach where they'll listen to the latest episode, then listen to the first episode, then listen to the latest episode, then listen to the next episode from the oldest. And they'll kind of go back and forth like that and meet somewhere in the middle. So keep that in mind when you're publishing your podcast. If you have good content, people will listen to it. They'll listen to past episodes. This doesn't mean when you launch your podcast, you have to have 3, 10, 20, 30, anything like that number of episodes because that can hurt that listening experience unless you are doing some kind of serialized storytelling podcast where it's really important for people to listen in a particular order and get the entire season downloaded all at once. And you can use the new iTunes tags that are supported in Apple Podcasts and iOS 11 for doing some of that kind of stuff. But regardless of the style of show you have or how many episodes you put out there, keep in mind, if people really like it, if you provide a lot of value, a lot of entertainment, a lot of education, whatever kind of value it is you provide, people will binge when they like your show. Number two, Your audience will stay when you consistently deliver value. In Damien's review, he said, I'll start with the good. Daniel is very good at what he does, presenting. You don't listen to someone talk in your ear for 200 hours if they aren't a good presenter. He is extremely knowledgeable at his topics. When someone finds a podcast they like, they tend to stay subscribed. And this is why the audience size for any decent podcast should be generally growing. Every new subscriber stays and thus causes a minor incline in the stats. And the greater the incline in per episode consumption, the more your audience is growing. If your podcast stats are consistent, then you're probably losing subscribers at the same rate you're gaining them. And if your stats are on the decline, then you're losing subscribers faster than you're gaining them. And I have a show that's in that position. It's losing subscribers faster than it's gaining them, That's my TV show fan podcast about the TV show Once Upon a Time. You know, the typical response I get from people when I tell them I do a podcast about the TV show Once Upon a Time is they say, oh yeah, I used to watch that show. Yeah, a lot of people used to watch that show. And that's why the audience for that podcast is declining because people just stop watching the show. And so they stop listening to the podcast. There was once a podcast I was extremely excited over and having only read the description 
I was totally sold on its being my new favorite podcast. I even told someone publicly, this is going to be my new favorite podcast. I haven't listened to a single episode yet, but I know this is going to be that one podcast I cannot live without. And when I finally did listen to one of the episodes, it confirmed all my hopes. This podcast was exactly what I needed and what I wanted. Perfect combination. But then I listened to more episodes and I saw a lot of cheap repetition, a lot of forced outlines, and a lot of sacrificed depth that could have been had in the conversations. Each episode that I listened to failed to deliver at least the same value or close to it as the episode before it. And although I had plenty of available listening time and had thus downloaded the entire back catalog of episodes, yes, because I thought I would absolutely love the podcast, so I was going to binge on it, I gave up on that podcast and deleted all the episodes after a few episodes of listening to it. And if you're thinking, oh, the episodes must have been too long. No, this had very little to do with the length of the episodes. However long they were, they were too long for what little value they delivered. I'd rather listen to a long, valuable podcast than a short, worthless podcast. Now, on the other side, more recently, I listened to my first episode of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. You know, the podcast that we often talk about that defies so many rules or guidelines in podcasting about episode length and frequency and all of that. Well, I was raised a military brat, so I was really drawn to Dan Carlin's episode 59, which was all about nuclear weapons and the crisis they present. So, to me, cool stuff as a military brat. And that the episode was three hours long didn't matter to me because there was so much value. And in fact, I just told you something wrong. The episode wasn't three hours long. That's how long I thought it was, looking back or maybe even when I was listening to it. It was nearly six hours long. And even though I listened across many sessions, I kept coming back because of the value Dan delivered in every minute of that podcast. I couldn't put it down. It was that good. So can your audience say that same thing about your podcast? Are there moments they skip because of low value or is your growth stagnant because you're not consistently delivering value? Your audience will stay when you consistently deliver value. That's number two. Number three, your message can change lives. Ever since I did that epic three-hour-long story of how my life was changed and even saved through podcasting, that was episode 301 when my wife joined me for my 10-year podcasting anniversary, And ever since then, I finally found my why in podcasting and in business. That why is this. I believe you can share a message to change the world, and podcasting is the best way to do it. Now, changing the world, that may not be on the scale of global, national, or even regional issues. You may not be able to run for president. You may not be able to change a nation's policy. You may not be able to impact even your local city. but. You may change the world for one person. You may give them hope when they're hurting. You may give them encouragement when they're empty. You may give them community when they're alone. You may give them entertainment when they need to be distracted. You may give them education when they want to learn and grow. And you may give them much more. You may change their world. And they could then go on to change their community. And someone changed by them can go on to change the state, then the nation, and then the world. And it could all start with you.
And although I talk about podcasting, the technology, the technique, and more than that as well, I changed Damien's life for the better in a small way. Yes, but it has changed a little bit. And that will help him to better reach others and change their lives too. In his review, he mentioned several things that he learned, like pointing his podcast domain at a free service wasn't the best choice. So now he has his own website, his own platform, or he's changed things about how he edits his sound so that he gets better audio quality. And he's learned better ways to market his podcast and position it in other ways. So maybe he can change the world for other people too. So whether your topic for your podcast is silly or serious, you can improve the lives of your audience. And your reviews may often reflect that, just like this review did. And yes, he's pointing out technical things. I often talk about stuff that's not technical with the Audacity to Podcast. Even right now, when I'm talking about how you can change lives, that's not a technical thing. That has nothing to do with technology. It's the principle of podcasting. It's the principle of sharing a message. And whatever you talk about, you may be changing one person's life who then impacts another person's life, who impacts another person's life. Your message can change lives. That's number three. Number four, repetition across episodes can become annoying. This is when we get to the constructive criticism inside of Damien's review. He said this, quote, The show isn't without what I would consider some faults. In the beginning, the ads for Citrix drove me crazy. Keep in mind, I was hearing a new ham-fisted Citrix ad every hour for days on end while listening through. Well, if you listened early on or at a slower pace, it's only once a week. One of my greatest regrets in my history of podcasting is what I would call my selling out for extra money. Sure, it was nice to get some bills paid in those early days of podcasting, especially when I hadn't even launched a business yet in those early days when I was taking on Citrix as a sponsor for the Audacity to Podcast. But the products I was advertising were barely relevant to my show or to my audience. Someday, I would love to go back and edit out all of those irrelevant ads from my past episodes. And if you really want to, you could help with this by sending me the time codes for whenever I mentioned that sponsor in those past episodes. And then I can pass that on to my editor, John Buchanan from AudioEditingSolutions.com, and he can edit some of those old episodes for me. I can give him the master files and he can do some of that stuff. Some of that stuff is still in Audacity, but I do have all of those original master files. So if you'd like to do that, you're welcome to. I'm not asking you to. But the point is, repetition is a powerful thing. And I wasted it in my early days trying to fit in a sponsor who really wasn't relevant, even though I used them for a time. Right now, if the sponsor for the Audacity to Podcast was the company that makes my shoes, sure, that's relevant to me. I'm maybe happy with the shoes I wear. And it may even matter to you the kind of shoes you wear, but does it matter really to include in this podcast? No. And I didn't recognize that in those early days. and. Because of that, I really made one of the biggest mistakes I think I made in podcasting, using that powerful tool of repetition for something that wasn't worth repeating so much. Aside from ad spots, this same negative aspect can apply to anything else you include in your podcast. Maybe that's a particular flow of questions or a call to action you include in every single episode of your podcast. The easiest way to make things less annoying is to rotate through what you promote. For example, 
for each week of the month, you might have only a single strong call to action in each of your episodes. Like maybe for your first week, you ask people to subscribe to your email list. The second week, you ask them to share the episode. The third week, you ask them to buy your thing or buy a sponsor's thing or something like that. And then the fourth week, you ask them to send feedback. Maybe if there's a fifth week of that month, you ask them to write a review for your podcast or anything like that. And that's not to say you should avoid all other calls to action in your episodes, but certainly be careful with how many you're including in your episodes. But this is really about what's strongest and avoiding an annoying recurring pattern. But if you can't rotate through separate calls to action, definitely simplify if you have to include a bunch of calls to action, but consider changing how you do those calls to action each time. So it's not the, oh, here's the same old script again that I could quote verbatim with the podcaster who's saying the exact same thing over and over again. Be careful with repetition because if you're repeating the wrong things or repeating something that's not all that important across several episodes, it can become really annoying. But on the flip side of this, number five, repetition is also powerful to make things stick. That Damien could remember three brand names, Citrix, My Podcast Reviews, and Podcaster Society, after listening to more than 300 episodes does prove another point. Repetition is effective. This is why podcast sponsorship really works best when it's done consistently for at least a month or two, really a quarter, so three months. It takes repetition for it to stick. And since I'm running a business, it's important for me to bring podcasters to the products and services I create to make their podcast better. Of the three brands Damien mentioned in his review, one of them isn't mine. Citrix. I don't own that. I don't benefit at all anymore from that ad spot years ago. But it does hurt me having that ad spot in there from years ago. But those other two brands did stick. My Podcast Reviews and Podcaster Society. And those are more recent brands, so maybe that's why they stuck. But I thought it was interesting and even amusing that Damien didn't mention D. Joseph Design. Did you know that's actually the legal name of my business? And that's the brand and a collection of now retired services that I promoted in my early days when I was making that transition from being a full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and trying to build a business, which at that time I thought would be web design. I was promoting D. Joseph Design. So either my promotion of D. Joseph Design back then wasn't effective or my other repetitions pushed out that brand. Look at what you repeat across episodes. Is it something you actually want to stick in your audience's minds? For example, do you really want your request for reviews to be the one thing that stands out in sticks more than anything else? Probably not. I know you want reviews. Reviews, by the way, don't affect your ranking. Subscriptions do. It's really more important for people to listen, subscribe, download your episodes than for them to write a review. So this is number five. Repetition is also powerful to make things stick. Number six, your audience may not be ready to grow at your pace. Like TV shows with child actors, long-term podcasting presents challenges with personal growth. You're probably not the same person today as you were when you first started your podcast, unless, of course, you just started your podcast today. <laughs> your experience, your perspective, your knowledge, and more have expanded with time and with new information. And that is a great thing. 
Unfortunately, it often means outgrowing either your audience or maybe even the premise of your show, or outgrowing it in some way. Going back to Damien's review, he said, It really bummed me out when Daniel made the switch from audacity to audition. I get that this was a good move for him, but to me, this was the beginning of the show losing its amateur feel. I'm going to stop right there for a moment because I think that also might have been when I started to shift my perspective and maybe started to approach the podcast as a marketing arm for my business. And I realized in my business, I'm already paying for these other things and I need to act more like a business. So maybe multiple things were happening there, not simply the switch from audacity to audition shifted things, maybe other aspects of my perspective. But back to his review, he said, I use audacity largely because I can't afford to move to something like audition. And by the way, back in that episode, when I explained why I was moving, I did say, you do not have to move. And in fact, I don't recommend you move. If you have money to invest in your podcast, there might be better ways to invest it than upgrading to Adobe Creative Cloud in order to get Adobe Audition. Hindenburg Journalist is a one-time purchase with maybe someday down the road when they release a new version, a major new version, you would pay to upgrade to that, but you could continue using your existing version. There are other programs too that work great as well. But I understand that connection with the meaning and the philosophy of using the software Audacity. So in his review, he said, I use Audacity largely because I can't afford to move to something like Audition. And Daniel's use of Audacity, as well as his routine of focusing on how to use it every five episodes, really connected me to the show and told me that I could have a successful and profitable podcast with this free software. That being said, if I could afford the switch, I'd look into it too. When I first started the Audacity to Podcast, it was always going to be first about podcasting. That list of 35 episodes that I'd made before I launched the show, most of the items on that list were not at all related to Audacity. It was always going to be first a podcast about podcasting, but I didn't explain that well. And my early marketing intentionally attached me to the Audacity software. And although I still recommend Audacity for beginners, my needs have grown and I have also found more limitations in the software. And I certainly felt that I reached the limit of what I could even talk about in Audacity for podcasting. And that's why I stopped doing the focus on Audacity every five episodes because I ran out of content there. So if my audience was joining me primarily for the Audacity information, I slowly stopped feeding that desire. And I know every now and then people still run across the podcast and they're looking for audacity-only information, not information about podcasting. Now, after 326 episodes at this time, I still stay focused on my core theme of podcasting. And if my podcasting led me along a different path and I changed the show's premise to follow that path, then I believe I would be breaking an implied promise with you and doing you and my other audience members a great disservice by changing my show too much. This doesn't mean that change is a bad thing. It's about potentially leaving your premise. Consider this example. Because I've been displeased with some weight I've recently gained, I've been making some changes to my diet and also trying to get back into my physical activity, karate. And with a simple look at what I was eating, I realized my diet had way too many carbs. Regardless of even if you accept the idea of carbs causing weight, which it does seem like there's some good science to back that up, especially when you look at what we eat. But regardless of all of that, I realized I was consuming just way too many carbs. So I had to cut back on that. And one of the easiest ways that I've done that is to eat eggs for breakfast 
instead of something filled with carbs like a sugary cereal, bread, toast, peanut butter, bagels, donuts, you get it, carbs, 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 sugar-coated carbs, carb-coated sugar, all of that kind of stuff. It was carbs all over the place. So it's no wonder I gained weight. I'm not talking like high amounts of weight, but enough that my jeans and shirts weren't fitting me properly or enough that I could feel the weight in certain places. So I knew I wanted to get rid of that weight. So changing my breakfast to eating eggs, which are high in protein, low in carbs, that alone really helped me to make healthier decisions as well as some other things that I did. So using that as an example, how many ways can you cook an egg? Now, there's a podcast waiting to hatch, get it, hatch, egg, pot, yeah, yeah, okay. And there are hundreds, if not thousands of ways to cook eggs or using eggs as the primary ingredient in something. But take the eggs out or demote their importance and you're no longer cooking eggs. However you grow while you're podcasting, remember your audience may not be able or willing to grow with you. Just like with the eggs, you may start adding other ingredients to the eggs and other ingredients and other ingredients and eventually you stop using eggs. You're no longer cooking eggs. With your podcast, you may face that same thing. As long as you continue to deliver value on your premise, your audience will probably stay. But if you grow beyond that premise, the shift may be too radical for your audience to follow. And growing beyond that premise could be in all kinds of different ways. Maybe using that eggs example, you decide to start adding bacon to your eggs. And then, whoa, you lose the vegetarian audience. Because vegetarians don't eat meat products. That's what makes them vegetarian. So I've heard. So you've grown a little bit and that causes you to lose some of your audience. But try not to grow beyond your audience or grow too fast for your audience to keep up. Yes, growth is good, but make sure if you have to leave that premise, maybe it's time to consider starting a separate podcast to follow that premise and end the current podcast so that your audience will be satisfied with what they received there. So that's number six, your audience may not be ready to grow at your pace. Number seven, satisfied audience members won't mind engaging promotion. In Damien's review, he said, my biggest criticism of the Audacity podcast is his cross and self-promotion. I don't mind his promotions for my podcast reviews so much because of a few pieces of criteria. My podcast reviews gets a large pass for me Because Daniel does offer a free version that you can use to get a feel for the tool and see what value it brings to you. I also enjoy his usual way of promoting it by reading some of these reviews and promoting the shows of those that leave him a review. Why did I start giving shout outs to podcasters who wrote reviews for the Audacity to Podcast? Well, for three reasons. One, it helped me get to know my audience better, to get to know you, to know the kind of show you host and the kinds of shows other listeners host. And number two, it encourages more reviews. When I started reading those reviews and giving the shout outs to the podcasters, I can't keep up with the reviews anymore. This episode published on October 17th, and I'm just now getting to a review from September 5th. That's how far behind I am in reading the reviews that have been pouring in since giving the shout outs to the different podcasters. So it's definitely accomplishing that number two goal to encourage more reviews. And the number three reason is to create more opportunities to naturally promote my podcast reviews because I'm using it myself and I'm demonstrating the value that it offers. 
And because that promotion is engaging, I've heard from many podcasters who don't mind it at all, or they even enjoy it. They've, some podcasters have told me, oh, I discovered a new favorite podcast because of one of those podcasts that you gave a shout out in your reviews. And certainly from the podcasters whose podcasts I've given shout outs, thanks to their reviews, have contacted me or shared the podcast or done something that in some way confirmed to me they loved it and it turned them into a bit more of a passionate fan. And this same thing about engaging promotion applies to ads I hear on podcasts as well. I usually skip those ads for the same old current wave of podcast sponsors, but when a host either integrates that promotion into their content or they make the promotion engaging, I intentionally choose not to skip the ad. And those ads then become more memorable. I still remember sponsors of Good Mythical Morning, Film Riot, The Way I Heard It, and several other podcasts because the ad engaged or entertained me. Yes, even when the ad might have seemed irrelevant to the show. I remember some, some hilarious ads for products because of how they made it engaging. That's number seven. Satisfied audience members won't mind engaging promotion. Number eight, squeezing promotion everywhere it fits is too much. In Damien's review, he said sometimes when he tries to work it, referring to my podcast reviews, into other parts of his show, it carries on a little too long for something you already know about and was only brought up as a promotional tool. Yeah, on the extreme end of making ads, calls to action, or any kind of promotion engaging is obnoxious integration. Imagine if I mentioned my podcast reviews in this episode and gave you the URL and some kind of call to action every single time I referred to Damien's review. Well, let me go back to my review that I got from mypodcastreviews.com. Sign up for mypodcastreviews.com to get blah, 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 blah. Doing that every single time. We could maybe call that the sportscaster effect where they're saying the same nouns over and over. Yes, Jim. Yes, Bob. That's right, Jim. That's right, Bob. That's right. Yes. Oh, yes, Jim. That's right. That gets annoying, doesn't it? Integrating promotion is like a seasoning or spice for food. It only takes a little to be effective, which is something I often have to remind myself when it comes to vanilla extract because I love vanilla flavored things, except for ice cream. With ice cream, I prefer something other than vanilla. But I love vanilla in things, vanilla cream soda, vanilla flavored cookies, vanilla icing, vanilla whatever. And I often want to pour in more or spill in more vanilla extract than the recipe calls for. But it actually doesn't affect the taste of the thing all that much. It really only takes a little to be effective. It's the same way with integrated promotion in your podcast. I know this episode is probably going to encourage you to check out my podcast reviews if you haven't already. I don't need to squeeze in a promotion everywhere it could fit, which is probably at this point dozens of times in this episode that I could have fit in a call to action. That would have been obnoxious. You probably would have stopped listening if I'd been doing that. So number eight, squeezing promotion everywhere it fits is too much. And, and I know I've done this a couple times or maybe a few times too many. And it's something that I constantly have to balance. The reminders, the calls to action with integration and not being obnoxious. Number nine, timeless content complicates timely promotions. Yes, we will probably all have something timely to promote at some time. 
It could be the podcast awards. It could be an upcoming event. It could be a special sale. It could be anything that may only happen at a specific time, even if it is some kind of repeating thing. It happens every month, every year, whatever. The first iteration of what became Podcaster Society was Podcast Masterclass. You've been listening for a while. Maybe you remember my little bit of promotion for that many years ago. And that was an intense month-long course with in-depth training, podcast evaluations, personal coaching, and much more. And I stopped doing it after the first time because I struggled too much to include promotion in my episodes, trying to remember, oh yeah, I've got this thing scheduled coming up. I need to promote that. And it wasn't only a remembering kind of thing. Because that was one side of it, trying to simply remember to include promotion for this time-sensitive thing coming up. But I also had this internal struggle recognizing that the promotion would be a permanent part of those episodes for years to come. Did I really want promotion for something that happened years ago? And that kind of timely promotion bothered Damien too, not with Podcast Masterclass, with Podcaster Society. He said, my biggest criticism of the Audacity to Podcast is his cross and self-promotion. I can't stand the ads for Podcaster Society. Podcaster Society has really ground my gears for a few reasons. This has especially been an issue while binge listening. I wish he could work things out, have the, quote, free for an extremely short amount of time, unquote, webinars be free indefinitely as a trial. Now, I do need to explain something here a little bit, and I'll explain some other things a little bit later on, too. When I first created Podcaster Society, I knew it could finally be something I could regularly promote without worrying much about time-sensitive offers to say, oh, Podcaster Society will close this coming Saturday or at the end of this month or anything like that. However, time-sensitive stuff still happens, like with the webinars. So anytime I promote something time-sensitive or timely in nature, I try to include some way to keep the promotion timeless as well. So my approach to that free for an extremely short amount of time makes a whole lot more sense when they are recurring events. And at this time, I'm just now getting back into this doing a monthly webinar for Podcaster Society. So there will be a recurring high value event that happens on a regular basis. And then that high value content becomes exclusive to members of Podcaster Society. So thus it's increasing the value of membership and it creates something that I can continue to promote when the next high-value webinar is coming up, or I can promote those webinars that were recorded in the past as also being available now only to members of the society. And I know not everyone likes that kind of promotion. It is effective, and I think it, it is fair, too, to say it's free if you can watch it live or if you can watch it quickly after. And at some point, that offer expires. It's just like when you see a sale on something, If you buy something today and two years later, it's a a much lower price, you don't really expect to be able to go back and say, hey, can I get my money back now that it's half the price two years later? Or if a coupon expired, if you're shopping anywhere other than Bed Bath & Beyond, that is, then you probably don't expect to be able to use an expired coupon. We're used to expirations in many different ways, and I can understand that it's a lot more frustrating when the offer expires and then there's not some other offer to replace it for a very long time. And that's because of other things I've been working on in the meantime. But I will be getting back to doing those regular recurring monthly webinars that present some kind of really high value content to help you improve your podcast, grow your audience, monetize your podcast, answer some major questions you might have. 
So the best way to learn about that kind of thing is to join my email list, and that's where I promote the webinars that are coming up. But that aside and how I'm actually approaching that, this really is a careful balance. And if you're doing anything like this with your own podcast, your audience could miss that timely thing by as little as a couple of days or maybe by years. And I don't think it's reasonable for you to keep timely promotions available forever, but I do recommend finding a way to make your promotion timeless. For example, if you're promoting an upcoming event, whether that's an in-person event or an online event, consider pointing to a URL that will always have updated information, or that URL could contain the recap for those who missed it, like the replay, or it could contain a link for where they could buy that thing or still be able to get that content, or it could contain a waiting list, or it could contain an announcement for the next big thing coming up. That way, your promotion is timeless, even though you're promoting a timely thing. That's number nine. Timeless content complicates timely promotions. Number 10, don't overprice for the audience you want. This is a very deeply philosophical thing. Pricing may always be a challenge because not everyone values everything the same way. Even something as seemingly simple as milk could be available in some form that costs 10 times what the cheap stuff costs. I remember once talking to someone back when I was a bachelor and had recently bought my house. I was talking with a guy about possibly renting a room from me, and we were talking about certain stuff like groceries and how do you manage that kind of thing. And he said the kind of milk that he buys and that he's not willing to compromise on certain stuff like that. And I was thinking, dude, it's milk. The dollar a gallon or whatever the price was at that time, that stuff just does the job just as well as the the $6 per gallon stuff that you're getting. Now, I know it's milk nerds out there or geeks or whatever you, you want to call yourselves if you're an aficionado of milk or milk taster or anything like that. You can probably describe those differences and you can make a podcast about that as well. But the point here is that value is not absolute. People can disagree about the value in things. Some people will think it's too expensive. Some people will think it's too cheap. And if you ever hire or act as a consultant, then you've experienced this same challenge. Consider someone like Gordon Firemark. He's a friend of mine. He's an entertainment lawyer. He's an expert dealing with intellectual property, especially for podcasters. And he's one of our experts inside of Podcaster Society. An hour of his time could cost thousands of dollars or more. And you may be thinking, whoa, I would never pay thousands of dollars for an hour of someone's time. But if that time either saves or earns you tens of thousands of dollars, isn't it worth it? I mean, after all, if you could pay a lawyer a thousand dollars for consulting that keeps you out of jail, isn't that worth it? Or if you're being sued for tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and an hour with a lawyer could help you find some way to resolve that and not have to pay those tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Isn't that worth it? In Damien's review, he said, as an amateur and a hobbyist, I simply cannot afford the $50 a month it takes to join his elite club, referring to podcaster society. I understand that there is a lot of work that has gone into the society, but there isn't a good way to check it out and see what value would be brought by joining at such a high price. This is another thing I know I would sign up for without any issue if it wasn't so out of my budget. 
It's unfortunate to hear about a service I am sure I would get great value out of, but no, I cannot experience. That Damien felt there wasn't a good way to see proof of the value is definitely something for me to work on in my marketing and how I position podcaster society. And I really suspect, based on several things in his review, like primarily the fact that at the time that he published his review, podcaster society was open to join. But I I suspect maybe he saw one of the earlier versions of the site, maybe even that landing page when I had to close down registration and it was a waiting list and there was nothing at all about what was in the society. So I totally understand if he was wondering, wait, this thing's going to cost this much and I know absolutely nothing about it. So I totally understand that. Regardless, there are things I can look at to improve in my own marketing. And there's another issue here that you may run into, pricing for the audience you want. If I made Podcaster Society only $5 a month, either no one would use it or it would be abused. And some people would still say $5 a month is too expensive. Look at your own value in the same way. I commonly hear businesses say it's the cheap customers who cause the most problems and ultimately cost the most. I see this quite often when I go shopping at my local Walmart. I would say in general, and you are probably not one of these people, but in general, the kinds of people who shop in Walmart tend to be cheaper kinds of people. And the kinds of people that work in Walmart, due to the way management is run and corporate policies and other things like that, it's not a very pleasant shopping experience, not a friendly experience because of the company culture there. And I pity those who want to be that shining light inside of a culture like that where it's just not really encouraged and policies and distrust and all of that kind of stuff. So all kinds of political issues are going on over there. And I don't mean this to be an episode about Walmart. But the point is that cheap customers often cause more problems than those who invest more. What is money? Money, this this is really a deeply philosophical issue, but one way you could look at it is money is an exchangeable measurement of worth. When someone pays a high price for something, they take good care of it because they've assigned a particular worth to it. And when they pay a low price, the thing has much less assigned value and is often treated the same way. So when you sell something at a price, whether that's a product, a service you create, or even your own podcast and you're selling it to sponsors or to your audience to try and get them to donate to your podcast, when you're selling something at a price, you are assigning a measurable value to it. And if you charge too little, it won't be respected. If you charge much, it may not be purchased. You have to find that right balance. And I know the value of Podcaster Society is worth more than I'm charging for it. And several members have already said similar things. Even in regards to a single, small, but relevant resource, they've said this is worth whatever I've paid to be a part of this, this two-minute tutorial, because it helped them with a problem, and that solution was worth a lot to them. And that's why they would say it's worth whatever I paid to be here because this solved this problem. And at the same time, I have to charge a price in line with what my ideal customer will consider to be a fair value. After all, it's often not about the real numbers. 
It's at $5, $10, 50, 20, 30, 500, 1,000. It's not about the actual numbers. It's about what those numbers mean to us. I remember my early days running a business, paying $5 for something. Yeah, being a penny pincher that I am, and I still am much of a penny pincher, but I remember hacking things around on my computer for the SEO for Podcasters course in order to get my screen to display at the right resolution or doing all of these annoying editing workflow things to get it at the right aspect ratio and resolution when I could have just bought a $5 program to do that for me. Now, when I realize, oh, this $5 program is going to save me this much time or it's going to make this thing much easier. It's going to allow me to focus more and get less frustrated on this. Now, that exact same number, $5, means something completely different to me because of how I've matured. And I understand when you're in that place where you don't have $5. So if you don't have the money at all, then it's really irrelevant of whether it's $5 or $500 because if you don't have the money to spend, then you don't have it. And please don't go into debt for things. I am very anti-debt. So it's really about what the investment means to you, what the outcome means to you. That's number 10. Don't overprice for the audience you want. Number 11. Avoid breaking timeless promotions. If you do succeed in promoting timeless or even timely things in a timeless way, ensure that never breaks. In Damien's review, he said, there is also the issue of it, being Podcaster Society, being closed to new members so often. Even if you have the money to join, you often can't because he closes it to new members regularly. It's exceptionally annoying to be advertised to for a service that you couldn't even join if you wanted to. I understand. Closing Podcaster Society was something I hated to do. I did it early in 2017, and it stayed closed for months, much longer than I wanted it to. I see some sleazy marketers out there talk about creating this false scarcity that, oh, you better join before the doors close, because if you don't, then you're going to miss out. The doors are going to close. You can't join again for several months because I'm doing this fake scarcity thing. I'm not saying everyone who does that is some sleazy marketer, but it is a technique many sleazy marketers use. But since Podcaster Society provides ongoing value, there's no true scarcity to it. So the reason I most recently closed it for several months, which did cost me a lot of potential new members, and also created the frustration with people like Damien who wanted to check it out, but then saw, oh, it's closed, or even if I'm interested, I can't join, blah. Well, the reason I closed it was because I genuinely needed to rebuild the inside of it, and I didn't want new members coming in when things were broken. So I had to close it, and I had to keep it closed for longer than I wanted to, and I worked really hard to get it reopen. And as far as I know, now it's open and it will stay open indefinitely. And where this especially hurt having to close it down like that for a little while was when I had already previously said Podcaster Society would be open indefinitely. And that was when I had the booth at Podcast Movement 2016. I reopened registration and that was my grand reopening. But then I closed it down later. And I hated doing that because I felt like I was breaking some kind of promise. So in my case, rather than merely closing it and saying, we'll reopen on such and such date or putting up a countdown timer or something like that, because I didn't know how long it would be closed. It was not a false scarcity or something like that. It was a real legitimate reason that I closed it. I offered then a waiting list 
so people could join the waiting list to say, I'm interested in this. Please let me know when it reopens. And I tried to update that homepage with more marketing information so people could know more about what this thing was that I was talking about and whether they were even interested in joining the waiting list. And then those people who were on the waiting list, eventually I got smart about how to use that. And I started to keep those interested subscribers informed on how things were progressing, giving them a sneak peek, letting them know when I thought things might open, explaining certain things, answering their questions and such. And then when I was finally ready to reopen, I gave those people who had joined the waiting list a special offer. I made them an offer that couldn't refuse, and I butchered that accent, but I wanted to reward them for their patience because they joined the waiting list saying, yes, I want to know when this thing is open. And I tried to keep them informed and tried to respect that patience, that investment they gave. And among many reasons, what I love about Podcaster Society being a membership site instead of being a month-long course like Podcast Masterclass was, is that I can promote Podcaster Society at any time because my goal is to keep it open all the time to new members that they can join at any time. So I can promote it at any time. I don't feel like I have to rush to promote it before the doors close or make some massive push towards something unless I'm doing some kind of special offer or a special webinar or something. That's, that's a separate issue though. So if you have any kind of timeless promotion in your podcasts, whether it's for a product, an offer, whatever it is, make sure it's either always available, even years later. You may be thinking, oh yeah, that thing I promoted five years ago, no one cares about that. Well, until someone discovers that for the first time and they want to get it. So make sure that it's always available or that there's some kind of appropriate substitute or a promise when people go to try to get it. That's number 11, avoid breaking timeless promotions. Number 12, people will accept your selling when you give value first. After all that stuff Damien said he didn't like about my promotions or one of my products, he still likes the podcast and continues to listen. Why? Well, in his own words, he said, quote, If I have such a problem with a big part of his content, why am I still giving it four stars? The answer to that is simple. Daniel runs a business. He needs to make money off of his products and services to provide for his family. He offers a ton of knowledge outside of his premium tools for absolutely free. If listening to him talk about a product he worked hard on that I can't afford for a few minutes is the price I have to pay for him to keep doing what he's doing, so be it. He deserves a high review and it'd be four and a half out of five stars if I could. And for you, Daniel, as I know you're reading this, thank you for what you do for the podcasting community. Please don't take what I said too harshly. So there are two big things in this last bit from what Damien said. First, he recognized that I'm running a business that must provide for my family. And I'd add to that and others, because yes, I regularly pay several other people who do valuable work for me. And that was one of the visions of when I started my business. I didn't want it to only be about my making money. I wanted to be able to enable others to make money, to actually pay other people to support other people. And in fact, this may be the first time that I'm saying this, but in 2018, something I want to do is start financially supporting, even at a small level, what I can do, financially supporting all the podcasts that I enjoy if they offer anything like that. So ask the podcast coach, the story behind, no agenda show, 
These are a few podcasts I know that do have Patreon campaigns, and I listen to those podcasts faithfully and really enjoy them. They're going to start receiving money from me. I've already been contributing to the Blueberry PowerPress Patreon campaign. Did you know, by the way, PowerPress has a Patreon page? Yeah, they do. I've been contributing $5 a month to it for, I don't know how long now, even though it's a free plugin. But all that aside, that's part of the vision of why I started my business. I wanted to be able to support others. And even in our family, we want to earn more for our family so that we can give more to others in need. And although not to that level of depth, Damien understands that because I've communicated much of that or it's obvious So if you're trying to sell something too, whether that's a product, a service, a sponsor, donations, anything like that, make sure your audience knows the reason you're selling it. What is the why? Consider this. If I said, donate to the podcast because it lets me buy a fancy latte, well, that's not a good reason. That's a selfish reason. But if I say, donate to the podcast because it helps us to continue giving value to you, that's a good reason. And in our Once Upon a Time podcast, what I regularly do when we thank the people who donate to the podcast, a couple of them have donated thousands of dollars at this point to our podcast about a free TV show. But what I regularly remind them is your support helps us keep the website running, helps us pay for these certain things. We had to recently upgrade our server. Your support made that possible. We had to renew our license for the software that we use to bring the podcast to you or the chat room or anything like that. We're giving them the reasons, a reason that they want to see happen. And that's a good reason. Maybe if you have the Latte podcast and you review a different Latte every week, then maybe telling people to support the podcast so that you can afford to buy that latest Latte is a good reason. It's really about what matters to your audience. The second thing in Damien's comment is that he accepts the, quote, selling, unquote, Because he already receives so much value. And this principle plays out in so many areas of life. We accept certain inconveniences or costs in some way of cost, not always money, but time, other things and such. But we accept those because of the value we receive despite those inconveniences. So if you want to sell anything to your audience or anything associated with your podcast, make sure you first Give, 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 and give some more before asking for anything in return. That's number 12. People will accept your selling when you give value first. And the 12 insights that I shared with you are number one, people will binge when they like your show. Number two, your audience will stay when you consistently deliver value. Number three, your message can change lives. Number four, repetition across episodes can become annoying. Number five, repetition is also powerful to make things stick. Number six, your audience may not be ready to grow at your pace. Number seven, satisfied audience members won't mind engaging promotion. Number eight, squeezing promotion everywhere it fits is too much. Number nine, timeless content complicates timely promotions. Number 10, don't overprice for the audience you want. Number 11, avoid breaking timeless promotions. And number 12, people will accept your selling when you give value first. Make sure you check out Damien's podcast, adventuresinarelia.com. That's 
E-R-Y-L-I-A.com. I have the link a couple times in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash binge lessons. And I hope you'll share some of your own lessons and insights that you might have gotten from this review. Theaudacitypodcast.com slash binge lessons. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch and improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from theaudacitypodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.